Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 84th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's not a clone of any competitors. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of magic the gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. A quick message from our sponsors at Face-to-Face Games. Face-to-FaceGames.com provides competitive pricing on magic singles and sealed product with shipping to the U.S. and to Canada. Check out Face-to-Face card pricing via MTGPrice.com, whether you're building your deck or stockpiling on a spec. I am your host this week, Travis Allen, Wizard Bumpin on Twitter. My co-host tonight is Cliff Daigle, Bagle with a D, uh, or (laughs) Word of Commander over on Twitter. And we are here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. I'm so glad to be guest hosting again. It's a great time. I'm looking forward to sharing uh, some good insights with everyone. Keep in mind, the show is sponsored by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at MTG Price to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. Awesome. Cliff, why don't you do us the pleasure of telling us what our episode is going to cover this week? This week, we are going to talk about some of the cards that have spiked uh, impressively. Uh, one of them is really impressive, considering that we talked about it last week. Uh, We're going to talk about some cards that both of us like going forward. We're going to talk a little bit about Grand Prix. It was a Grand Prix, right, in Turin? Yeah, it's Grand Prix Turin. And we're also going to talk about Arena, which was just – is it just named Arena? Is it Magic Arena? I'm surprisingly – I don't – I'm not sure. It is Magic the Gathering Arena. Okay. It's not going to sing quite like Moto does, but we're going to talk about Arena and what it means going forward. Our, our oh. hot, hot, hot takes. All right. So why don't you uh, why don't you get us started? What is the first card on our list this week? The first card on our list that has jumped more than a hundred percent from six dollars to fourteen dollars is Sarkin Unbroken, the Planeswalker out of Dragons of Tarkir. Uh, due to the fact that he makes dragons, he draws you cards, accelerates your mana, and his ultimate is find every dragon in your deck and put it into play. And if that doesn't win you the game in your Dragon uh, EDH deck, you're doing it wrong. Yep, I would have to think he is an otherwise uh, unimpressive uh, Planeswalker. He's only playable in the five color builds. Of course, um, you know right now the Dragon deck does have access to five color builds more than they might have in the past because you've got Ramos and Ur-Dragon, so they're pushing five colors. But I would imagine this is showing up mostly for that ultimate because uh, that is... And quite an ultimate indeed. Um, so, you know, I think the price here, $14, is probably a little high for this guy since he's mostly an EDH Planeswalker. Um, I'm not interested in him at that price. I think you sell if you've got him. I guess he's price settling around like 9 or 10 but it's just hard to imagine him being worth a slot in your Dragon's EDH deck uh, given how much fodder there is for that archetype. The thing that has kept Sarkin cheap for a while, Dragons is three years old now, uh, is that he can't be in a track set. Because otherwise, the stuff that he does is pretty great. You draw cards, you accelerate your mana, you make dragon tokens. It's a lot of fun. But um, the fact that his ultimate is meant for dragons, this is just a, a slam dunk. That Dragon players are going to want to win more, and this is the win more card. I suppose if there were a win more tribe, Dragons is probably uh, probably earns that honorific. Um, okay, 
So next on our list is Rishadon Airship. We're looking at the uh, Mercadian Mass Edition, of which I believe is the only one. Um, and foils specifically, this card is entirely unimpressive uh, at any way you want to consider it. But it does have the distinction of being a pirate, which I suppose is probably why just the foils have jumped a little bit. If you really want to go deep on your foil pirate deck, you got to pick it up. Um, <coughs> I have a misprint foil. Feel free to message me on Twitter. Looks like it skipped on the printer a little bit. little plug there. Um, they went from a dollar to three dollars. So I don't know, just some errant pirates demand we'll probably see this as well um on some of the dragons that got eroded or should have the should i say some of the cards that have been eroded to be dragons we might see in the coming weeks as well so for instance death mist raptor was eroded to be a dragon that's the most um eroded to be a dinosaur travis dinosaur i'm saying dragon i'm sorry i'm sorry that's okay dinosaur we will see those cards that have been eroded to be dinosaurs should probably show up on our list a couple times like death miss raptor um and imperiosaur also so keep an eye out for those but the same type of things going on here um but not a lot to talk about i don't think yeah this card's just actively bad i mean two and a blue for a three one flyer that can only block creatures with flying that's just actively bad yeah um i i i would really be stretching to play this in an edh deck yeah there's just you have to be really committed to the theme to want to play this guy um okay what's next for us cliff so next up is uh yomiji who bars the way the betrayers of kamigawa this is the non-foil now we talked about the foil last week but the non-foil has jumped two whole dollars from one to three and as we talked about last week, uh, I don't know if you heard, Travis, but Planeswalkers are legends. Really? So now leg- <laughs> legendary stuff applies to them. And this one is a fun little benefit that's way overcosted and is probably not going to survive. But that's okay because Commander is about optimism. <laughs> that's a good way to put that. Uh, yeah, catches me by surprise for sure. But what a what a great surprise it is here um <laughs> uh next on our list in fact is thalia's lancers which i think we actually might have talked about last week uh, i'm looking at the foil copies um also the pre-release one specifically i think looking like a jump from like two and a quarter three dollars up towards seven uh this is also because plans workers are legendary the searches for it i'm you know now that this is at this price point uh i would do not want to be holding any. If you picked them up when they were a dollar or two, that's great. And uh, but now is the time to get out of these. It's a five mana four four first strike. It's really not impressive in any of the games where you're actually going to cast it, um, other than as a tutor. And I think there are a lot of cards that kind of do that job better. So ride the hype, uh, hop on out, and uh, put your money into something a little more exciting down the road. If you bought it cheap, you were looking for it to go up because it does something sweet in Commander. Now it does something super sweet. And it is time to go. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's next? Oh, uh, next up is an experiment in human psychology known as Spell Pierce, the invocation version. It was forty dollars before we found out it's getting a reprint in standard, not in the invocation frame and everything, but it's a common in the new Ixalan set, and it has jumped to about one fifty on the strength of being reprinted in standard. And uh, as Travis and I were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, this is amazing because I can't imagine who is picking these up in order to play them in standard. Yeah, and I think that that part of this was, uh, I'm assuming, completely lost on the person who purchased, the people who bought them. I think they saw 
uh, spell pierce. They went, oh, spell pierce is back. I should buy the invocation because people will want it without really thinking about the fact that what, who, why suddenly is this card being in standard? Why is that good for the price of the card? Because it was already legal and modern. If it hadn't been legal and modern, then hey, I would totally buy wanting more copies of this, right? Like if you had just made the card modern legal, but you didn't. It it was already modern legal. So the only extra demand is now from standard players. So how many standard players are going to want a $100 copy of a common? Uh, you know, I'm sure that number is greater than zero, but it is also a lot less than whatever you're hoping it is. Um, so, you know, if you, I, I saw it was reprinted and um, did not buy any copies, even though I did think about the fact that it might spike. Uh, if you did buy them at 30 or 40 and you can unload them anywhere north of 70, then God bless you. But uh, I would not consider this to have been a wise move, basically. That was a that would have been a serious dice roll to pick something up because it got reprinted as a common and standard. Um, I mean, you know, to, to, so I'm sorry, I, I don't want to cut you off here. To be fair, all right. To be fair, I suppose this card kind of lands in that that space where the card doesn't have to be good, it doesn't have to be useful, it doesn't even have to be played. You just need enough people to think one of those things. And I actually got into this with Jason all a while ago because Jason's like, people are dumb for buying all of these cards ahead of EDH decks getting printed. They're not like foil white sun zenith. He's like, this card's not good in the cat deck because the cat deck isn't about tokens. Like it doesn't need tokens. That's not <laughs> what it does. And I'm like, but Jason, it doesn't matter. Like it poops out a bunch of cats like you're you're thinking too much about it like people are just gonna go this card makes cats i want to play cats i should own it you know people are gonna think that and the price is gonna go up so even if it dwindles over time it doesn't matter because you can get in and out and i guess spell pierce is the same concept like it you saw it get reprinted standard you go there's no reason why this should actually be more um, appealing now but i know it will be so i'm gonna buy them to sell it to the people who think it will be even though it doesn't matter so the demand is coming from where it's just not really sustainable demand but as long as you can get in and out you're good so i, I don't know i don't know whatever get on you if you pulled it off i guess but don't don't expect it well i can't even say don't expect it to hold that price because it is an invocation and now that they're gone like they're not going to flood back into the market so they're not going to be 140 dollars, but it's probably gonna be a 70 or 80 dollar card now you're going to have people who bought the card at somewhere in between in the 70, 80 range. And they're going to say, well, look what it spiked to. It got to this height once. And there's a chance that in a few years, due to the trickle of modern and legacy demand that it has, I think trickle is the right word, that uh, it could break 100 again. But that seems very unlikely, anything approaching the short term. Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose on its on its side, you've got the fact that it's a one mana instant blue card that does something useful. So as far as a lot of these invocations go, that's already got a head start. So really, it's not. it probably isn't going to stick around at $100 like this year, maybe not even next year. But, you know, you've got time. So whatever. Oh, well. Uh, okay, now that I've ranted about Spell Pierce, uh, did you have any <laughs> other thoughts on that or do you want to give us the next card? Uh, the next card is uh, one of my favorite uncommons out of Future Sight. It's Nakatl War Pride. It's gone from about seventy-five cents to more than uh, four, to about four dollars. And you were just mentioning cats. Congratulations, cats! You are continuing to ride the tiger. Um, I have played with this card in a range of decks, and the fact that it 
This is another card that Jason probably wouldn't like because when you play it, you have to wait a turn. It has to attack. And even then, it just means all your other stuff gets through. So it's not like crazy amazing. If you've got extras, I would absolutely be moving them. Um, I, it's a cat, and it's gone up. And if it's in a popular tribe, you should move it. And that's going to be our advice for a lot of these cards over the next few weeks. <laughs> I actually really like this card in the sense that it's a good card. Um, and it does a lot of work for you. Uh, and I, I, I talked about this at length a while ago, so I'll try not to ramble here. But I do think it's a really strong card that um, in even in the deck, uh, because one creature can produce so many bodies and so much power. Um, and you can do all sorts of clever things with it, too, if you're prepared for the dump of tokens it's going to put on the deck. Um so I, I do like the, I do like what the card does, and I would go so far as to say even um, at you know three or four bucks, if you don't have a copy on hand, I would consider finding one to be worth your time, um, just because uh, you want to make sure that you have it available to you. Um, even though the, that said, the cat deck hasn't been the most popular. In fact, it's been the least popular, which t- t- surprised me. Um, I don't know if you were expecting that or not, but I, I was not expecting it to be the least popular. I am not surprised that the cat deck is the least played considering the really awesome synergies of the other three decks and the fact that the cat decks only two colors, whereas in the uh, Grixis deck and the, so it's three colors, three colors and five colors. So you have a lot more flexibility about what you're going to put in. Plus the other tribes have just much better cards to add. And uh, I, I will not be shocked if it continues in that popularity vein, even with some of the power of the individual cats. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. I guess I just I didn't expect vampires to be that popular. I kind of thought their time had come and gone, but uh, apparently I am wrong. So, oh, well, (laughs) they need to give us a four color vampire legend because they're skipping all of the blue vampires from Ravnica and such. Oh, yeah. Should write them and tell them. I should. I used to have a uh, Garza's all vampire deck. Sweet. Oh yeah, I remember that card. Um, okay, let's uh, let's go on. I know this next card is a favorite of yours, Cliff. So why don't you tell us about <laughs> it? Uh, Supreme Inquisitor, the rare out of onslaught. The non-foil has jumped from seventy-five cents to five dollars. It's a wizard, and I think it wasn't on our official lists last week, but I mentioned it as ter- a win condition in my old terrible casual 60 card commander deck or 60 card commander my old 60 card casual deck and i played four of these and i would get five wizards in play and two of them would be mundungu one would be patron wizard and everybody (laughs) would hate me and i was fine with that so if you've not played with this card it says tap five untapped wizards you control to uh look through target players library and exile five cards You do not get to look at their hand or their graveyard, but you get to search for what they would have wanted and get rid of it. That is, um, that is a bad card. I just want to say that that is a bad (laughs) card in this. It only takes takes like two activations in a 60 card format before the other person just knows they're drawing nothing but crap. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose so. You're right in commander. It is terrible unless you have like a seedborn muse in play. And even then, you're going to lose so much time to looking through everybody's deck that everyone is going to want to, you know, break your face. Yeah, the card could like say 40 cards 
and it would still be really obnoxious because of how long that would take. Like it's just, it's not a card that does anything quickly. Um, yeah. So, okay. Whatever people reaching for it. Good job. Good luck. Uh, uh, last card sort of on our list this week, but not really is all of the other reserve list Arabian nights legends crap all spiked again. I think Stong was one of the big ones this week. Stong. Is that how Stong. you say it? Stog song. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not sure. Um, I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you don't care about the Stong Twin? What kind Stong of twin. magic historian are you? Listen, until they print Stong Twin in a master set, that card means nothing to me. From uh, your lips <laughs> to their ears, man, this weekend. Yeah, right. Speak, speak truth to power. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, just the same stuff, same story. You've heard us go on about it before, but there were several more. I don't know how many more of these cards people can go after like it just doesn't seem like there are any can't be that many left uh because we've been through this several times but whatever let's uh let's move on with our life cliff we got a good selection today why don't you get us started on our picks of the week ish type thing (laughs) my first pick this week is selvala the heart of the wilds from conspiracy to take the crown uh, right now, it's about a $10 card. I'm looking for it to hit around 30 because it's in pretty small supply. Uh, the Leovold effect was not enough to get people to crack a lot of conspiracy boxes, and she is just a brutal card to have in play. I'm also a big fan of a lot of things that are dinosaur-related right now because the dino deck looks like a lot of fun to play and something people are immediately going to want to put together. So seeing her jump from 10 to 30, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. I'm putting that for an 8 sometime in the next 12 to 18 months. Jeez, if I had known you were going to pick this, uh, I would have pulled mine off of TCG Player that just sold, <laughs> that I sold for $10. <laughs> um, good to know, I guess. Uh, it's an interesting pick, and it was not on my radar at all, so I like it um, because I did not realize that the supply was that low, but... It, you're right. I mean, you're, there aren't that many around there. Um, those foils are nuts. And given how expensive those foils are, it means there's probably non-foil demand is lagging, but uh, will probably catch up. So uh, that's yeah, a really good foils, The foils are going for something like 70 or 80, right? Uh, I mean, that's what you wrote on the spreadsheet. I didn't really look them yeah. up, but I believe it. Yeah. So the, the multiplier is great. There's only 10 foils when I look this afternoon. Uh, if you need yours, get yours because they're going to be pretty hard to come by soon. Okay, well that's uh, that's a good one, Cliff. I uh, I like it. I like your I like the cut of your jib. Hey, that's topical. <laughs> hey, you, um, you pirate fiend, you! Tell me about your picks, Travis. I love these. Okay, so all of you, probably maybe some of you, none of you, know what Kindred Discovery is. That is the blue enchantment from Commander Twenty Seventeen. Um, it is the one you, when it comes into play, you choose a creature type. Uh, whenever you put a creature into play of that type, or one of them attacks you get to draw a card. Um, so it draws you a lot of cards. Uh, we'll kill you if you have Locust God in play. Keep that in mind if you choose Locusts. <laughs> but there are there is a cycle of kindred cards, and that was the one that took off first. But it, it's not the only good one. The black and red ones... Oh, my fiance's home, which means my do- doorbell dogs uh, are alerted. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. But the uh, the black and red one are spells. One of them is like a pseudo Ingarix Wake, uh, Plague Wind, and the other one makes copies of your guys. They're not bad. But what I'm interested in is the green and white ones. Um, Kindred Boon is the white one. It's an enchantment that puts divinity counters on your creatures and then makes them indestructible so long as they have the divinity counter. So you drop the enchantment. 
Now you can start swinging with abandon. Um, and if anyone blocks your creatures, you just pay two mana and plop a divinity counter on them and they're indestructible. You can also just kind of hang out and just leave mana up. And if anyone casts wrath, boom, a couple of your guys are indestructible. So it's a really good onboard trick to make life miserable for your opponents if you're playing a tribal deck. Kindred Journey is the green one and it's kind of pricey at seven mana, but it's essentially like a better a pseudo better Genesis wave um, for every creature you have of the chosen creature type, you flip cards off the top of your library until you draw that many and put them in the play. So in practice, that means if you cast this and you have four elves in play, you flip cards off the top of your library until you see four elves and put all four of them in the play. So you can do some pretty wild stuff with that. Um, you know, you can obviously generate a lot of tokens and, you know, you can flip a couple zombie tokens and then cast this thing and get every zombie card in your deck into play pretty fast. Uh, if you're, I don't remember, wait, 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 does, is Nest Invader a, uh, is an Eldrazi? I think it is, right? It is. It is absolutely. Uh, you could use the spawn tokens to, uh, tutor up Ooh. all the Eldrazi monsters. Yeah. Ooh. I'm a little too, a little too clever apparently, but, but the point being is that both of these are really powerful. Supply is still pretty low. There aren't that many sellers. Now there is a lot of quantities socked away with a small volume of sellers. We're talking about a handful of people that have between like 15 and 80 copies of these. But remember that's not actually that deep. There are a lot of players out there looking for these types of cards. There's only one in the entire set of precons, the rares, which means, uh, you know, for every person who bought one of these, if they want more than one, they now need one. And if they didn't buy any of these, now we have a deficiency of them. So while there is a reasonable supply right now, that is going to drain really fast. Another thing to keep in mind is that, you know, this has brought a lot of attention to dragons, wizards, and so on. But this, these give a lot of tribal tools to tribes that are still lacking some support. So for instance, I was like, hey, I bought all those stupid clerics when Jason Alt told me to buy them because of Eilie when Oath of the Gatewatch came out and they never went anywhere in price, but I have a bunch of clerics and I'm like, I always kind of pondered doing a cleric tribal deck and I, I hadn't bothered, but now there's all these new tools and I'm like, oh, look at these cards that care, just tell me to care about creature types in new and novel ways. That enables me to make new tribal decks that didn't just get supported. So all the players like me who see this as an opportunity to buff up their own tribal decks or tribal ideas that they that weren't supported at this point formally, but now have these extra tools are also going to increase your demand. So this is a very long way of saying, I think a couple these two cards, which are like a dollar fifty to two fifty, depending on which one you're talking about, are looking at jumping up into the probably the seven to ten range, which is around where Kindred Discovery is. We could see them higher than that, maybe a little bit lower. I'm not clear exactly because I don't have a clear view on what the supply is looking like. We're hearing like there's a new wave of commander product in October, but I don't know what the size of it is. And I'm getting conflicting reports from different store owners. So keep that in mind. But, you know, if you at a dollar fifty two fifty, I think these are great. Kind of put them away, come back to them in six to 18 months and find them worth close to double digits. The commander decks have really shown to be something that Wizards is going to jam a lot of great new cards in there and then move on to the new great new cards. We haven't gotten a lot of the reprints of Commander-specific cards because every time they want to do something new and awesome. For instance, we haven't had another printing of Chaos Warp. You know, and that's that's a card that yeah. has Commander all over it. So uh, I think you're spot on that these are the cards that people are going to want in all sorts of decks going forward. And uh, if you thought the Wizards deck did nothing, just wait until you try building that Cleric deck. You're going to have one good creature and the rest are just going to drag the game out 
Vile, <laughs> well, listen, Vile Deacon Ily is, is useful. Ily is cheap and she does things, okay? <laughs> sure, she does. She does. You're right about that. Nobody else does, though. Nobody else does. Fine. <laughs> uh, what's your uh, next card this week? My next card this week is going to be riding on the reserve list train. It is Retribution of the Meek. In case you're not aware of this card, this is two and a white to destroy. Uh, well, it says buried, but destroy without generation every creature with power four or greater. Right now, it's about $6, and I think this is a pretty easy pick to hit $20 sometime in the next year or so. Uh, it's really great against these giant creature decks that are coming out. Uh, it is quite—it is the same cost as Bantu's Last Reckoning, only without the don't untap your mana clause. So uh, I'm a big fan of this, and I think it's, uh, you know fits with the creature themes that we're seeing going forward and the reserve list theme going forward. Okay. Okay, I can see that. It is a really powerful card, and it is surprisingly pricey, too. Like, I don't think people realize how much um, it costs, like, the dollar value that it's already that high. Um, oh, yeah, this is on the reserve list, this too, isn't it? Damn. Yep. Sure I kind of was is. like, looking at that, I'm like, wait, did, maybe Cliff got that wrong. I don't know if he's right about it's that. It's entirely but... possible I'm wrong about stuff, but this no, one I double-checked because I had the same feeling. Like, no, what? 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 Yeah, it is. Hmm. All right. I mean, I, okay. Now that this is on the reserve list, this is a freebie. Like, if you just here, this is a freebie to our listeners because they're buying every damn reserve list card they can find. Here's one that's actually useful. So <laughs> you're welcome. There you go. We do. Uh, we I, play, I have this. I have this in my um, my Timna and Siddhar partner EDH deck, and it's disgusting. Just it's just that deck has like four uh, plague wins. It's awesome. <laughs> it is. And you can build around it, too, if you want to. You can set up the, the state. It's like, a lot like uh, Austere Command. It does what you need it to. Right, 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 right. It's a good one. So, Travis, I need you to defend this next pick because I'm looking at it on the spreadsheet, and I'm wondering if someone has switched your body. Okay, well, hold on, because I'm going to do these in, in the opposite order of where they're written on the spreadsheet. So you're going to have okay. to hang on for a second. I'm right. just going to run through this one a little quicker. It's Mirror of the Forebearers. This is also from Commander 2017. It's another one of these tribal cards. Um, it's currently like $1.50, like the Kindred cards. I can see that up in the 7 to 10 range. It's, uh, you know, it's the artifact that becomes a copy of any one of your other creatures of the certain type until end of turn. It's really useful. It gives you extra uses out of your best um, your best creatures of that type, but it also gets to dodge sorcery speed wraths and do all sorts of other stuff. Um, you know, I'm not the only person to talk about it. Jason has talked about it. James has talked about it. You know, supply on these right now is pretty healthy in the same way that the other ones are several, a couple sellers with deep pockets. Um, but you know, if you were thinking about these, I think now is the time to jump in on them because supply is going to drain on them as well. Yeah, you should get all the copies you want right now for your commander decks, and you should get all the copies you might need for your next two or three decks right now because there's not going to be a lot of supply for this one long. Okay. Okay, thank you. All right, so what is your last one this week? My last pick this week is See the Unwritten, the foil version of the Mythic from Dragons of Tarkir. Right now you can find it around $3, and considering that uh, there are three good creature decks in green that have just been released, uh, the Dragons, the Cats, and the Dinosaurs, uh, I think this is a good bet to jump up to around the $10 range sometime in the next year. I'm a big fan of See the Unwritten. I've played it in every creature deck I've ever built, and I've just been super happy to cast it, whether I've got uh, Ferocious going or not. 
Okay. I wish you were talking about non-foils because I never sold all of mine and that would be great. But foils are also a good choice. Um, definitely good with all the new dragons that are floating around there. Um, and dinosaurs too. Yeah, that's a good one as well. I think this is a, this is a fine choice, Cliff. Um, $3 foils on an old mythic. That is, that's pretty Where well we positioned. Be. Pretty yeah, well positioned. All right, Travis. You've built up to it. We delayed for it. Now tell me about this because I got to know. Okay, so I'm looking at Samet the Tested. This is the uh, terrible planeswalker from... Uh, uh, at least two more bad adjectives in there, Travis. From Hour of Devastation, right? It Let's is go a four mana four... Oh, wait, go ahead, go ahead. Get your shot. Was, go ahead. I was going to say underpowered and overcosted. Mm-hmm. Right, when this card came out, I was on the I was on the same train. I was like, this card is bad. It doesn't do anything. It's not interesting. You should stay away. And that was completely the correct choice. Her plus ability is target creature gains double strike. So it doesn't really, it feels pretty weak there. And her minus is that it deals two damage divided as you choose between creatures and players. So she's probably not able to protect herself very well with her minus because it's not going to kill much. And her plus gives double strike, which is mediocre. Okay. All of this is still true. However, in light of dinosaurs, she is worth revisiting. First, you are giving creatures double strike, but we're talking about giving a lot of creatures with high power double strike. So that's a lot more threatening now than it might have been on any random creature before. Obviously, people have played creatures with high power, but, you know, dinosaurs are big and scary. They Most of them have power four or greater. So that double strike really is counting. Um, there's a lot of trample damage floating around in there, too. There's also the one dinosaur we saw that's like the 7-6 trample hexproof something or other. Uh, does that have haste, too? I don't even remember. No, it's ridiculous. it cannot be counted. It has trample oh. and it has hexproof. Yeah. So, I mean, that thing with Sama is 14 damage on its own. So the double strike matters more because of dinosaurs. But where this really gets cute is the two damage divided as you choose because now you can shoot your monsters to enrage them. So you have the three mana two three that you can ping to rampant growth. You have the two mana one one that spits out a three three. You've got the four five that draws you a card. And we're not through all the dinosaurs yet either. So the fact that you can like turn to that one one turn three the two three that spit that rampant growths every time it enrages and then turn four play samet ping mine you can minus two you get a three three and you rampant growth like it's not terrible right like and then you start giving double strike to stuff um i think that it's that three mana two three that rampant growths every time you enrage it could actually end up being very important and having a repeated way to enrage it is might be very useful. I don't know. The the reason this is all interesting, by the way, is because she's like two dollars. And I don't just mean like two seventy-five plus shipping. I mean like literally two dollars. They're dirt <laughs> cheap. The cheapest I think I have ever seen a planeswalker in standard, save for maybe Tibalt. So the risk here, I mean, you're paying $2 a copy, but it's so, so cheap. And she could hit $6, $8, 10 $12 if it turns out she's good with dinosaurs. So there's a huge reward available on this. So I'm not telling you that this Planeswalker is awesome, but I'm telling you that her abilities in light of dinosaurs are a lot more appealing than they have been. So I have been feverishly checking the spoiler for some source of repeatable damage that is going to make Enrage good, and I haven't seen it yet. And now I'm thinking this was their plant, and I don't 
despise your pick as much as I did. I didn't want to talk about this beforehand because I wanted you to give me the full benefit of your explanation. And now I'm I'm a $2 believer. I don't think she's going to be good, but I think she might be good enough to get the kind of jump you're talking about. I don't think, I don't know about 10, but I would believe seven, eight, somewhere in there. And that's still a huge jump if you're only dropping two, including shipping. Yeah, and keep in mind, this is a great card to pick up and bring to the store. Um, you can buy them at $2 and then bring them into your local store and just trade them away at the 5 or 6 or 7 because it's going to be a a playable standard card. People are going to want copies. You're not going to have to pay overhead. There are certain cards that are just sort of like feel better for trading um, than they do selling. And it, it's the, it's these types of standard cards that get like double the quadruple ups um, where you don't need a deep market you know you're not trying to sell a foreign foil card to one guy you just want to expose a card to a lot of people quickly and easily and like this is that card it's very good at that okay all right you've you've won me over enough to where i'm taking back the body snatchers comment good job sir good job <laughs> what was that wow there was was it was it not shania twain jewel you already won me over yeah who was that the one you already won me over Oh, I'm being informed it was Alanis Morris. So it was. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, the song, look, the song is I Couldn't Help It. It's all your fault. Okay, there you go. All right. It's uh, segment three of the Metagame Week in Review. This week we saw, this past weekend, we saw Grand Prix Turin over in Europe and Grand Prix DC here in the States, both standard. Um, Cliff, tell me what jumped out at you. Uh, I was looking mainly at what is and isn't going to survive rotation. We got the usual raft of suspects. We got a couple control decks. Uh, the mono black zombies deck is not going to do well. There's a Mardu deck. They're cutting down on their Gideons. There's only down to like two or three Gideons instead of, you know, being all about, uh, the big guy. Um, I really like that the blue black control deck is losing nothing but grasp of darkness, but that is an important out to, uh, uh, I keep wanting to call him Hasty. Uh, no, it's Hazaret. Hazaret. Uh, I love. Uh, what was I going to say? That the oh, there's a there was a blue white deck that was just everything you'd expect out of a blue white deck. It's just control, control, wrath, control, control. Win the game with approach of the second sun. It just sings to my old school heart. But uh, it's losing the blessed alliance and the emulating glare, and I don't see any good replacements for those yet. Uh, financially, I think the only thing that is jumping out at me is the one to two ofs that the team or energy decks are running for Sky Sovereign, the console flagship. That appears to be pretty standard, running one or two of these, and that seems a little low on price for if team or energy takes off as the most consistent deck, then Sky Sovereign being... Uh, Sky yeah, so what are they like two bucks at the moment three dollars right now i'm seeing them at uh two and a quarter so that's a pretty low uh get in price for something that can be pretty backbreaking in these matchups um i'm definitely on board with sovereign i like that uh a lot when it was spoiled i actually picked up a play set of it because i thought that it was going to be good enough to see play never quite got off the ground in the way i was hoping to see it um but we could see it come back it is still an extremely powerful card um and i don't know if you've noticed but they spoiled some more vehicles out of ixalan and uh they're definitely on the lower power level compared to what we saw uh in 
um, Kaladesh. So I don't know if they learned their lesson or what kind of a little too late to keep those from getting out, keep the Kaladesh ones from getting out the door, but not too late to prevent these ones from being ridiculous. Um, but it is a really a, a very powerful card. Over on the blueback control list, you do lose flame tendrils as well, but there's only two of those in the main deck, so I don't know how much that matters either. Um, they're also getting spell pierce and duress Ops. and op. Yeah, they're getting a lot of tools, so uh, there could be some real demand there. Um, you know, torrential gear hulk and uh, what should we call it? The other one that I can't think of the name of torrential gear Hulk and scarab God, both oh, certainly yeah. get more interesting. And I know you talked about those last week, but I feel like we know more about this now, just having seen those spoilers um, for those cards show up, uh, you know, opt and dress and all that. So that, that makes that look more interesting. And again, the teamer, I'm still a big fan of teamer just because it's going to be so good on day one of the format. Exactly. Uh, I've, I'm so annoyed at wizards that they decided to, print duress i know that they work so far ahead of time but duress and spell pierce spell pierce would have made uh the past problems in standard a lot less problematic yep (laughs) sure would have (laughs) um okay is there anything else you have to say on these before we move on to our topics for the week here nope let's get to it all right so this today, today, uh, several hours ago, big announcement. We finally saw MTG Arena. Shout out to everybody who kept telling us it was going to be a MOBA. Um, before we get too into, <laughs> too far into Arena specifically, uh, Cliff, I noticed you put down on here, it is worth talking about a Gaia's Cradle reprint, pseudo Gaia's Cradle. Um, we've, we've seen Staff of Domination land. We saw the return of Maze of Ith, and now we are seeing Gaia's Cradle. It is a three mana enchantment that when it comes into play, you look at the top four, um, you can reveal a creature card, put it in your hand and bottom the other ones. And at the beginning of your end step, uh, not your upkeep, your end step, if you have four more creatures, you flip it and now it's Gaia's Cradle. And it's actually a better Gaia's Cradle because you can tap it for one no matter what, even without creatures. Um, Of course, it's not actually better than Gaia's Cradle because of all the work you have to do on the front half. Even still, we are now looking at a three-mon enchantment that turns into an honest-to-God Gaia's Cradle, um, which is big deal for standard and modern for sure. Uh, you know, what are you thinking, Cliff, here? Has anything come to mind as being a big deal? I cannot own enough foils of this card. Uh, I love the tran- the transforming foils anyway, but um, like decks that already are playing Gaia's Cradle are going to want this card to have a second ability for it. Yes, it is worse, but it is still phenomenal. So don't look at it like, well, I can't use it the turn I I play it. You can't cast any sorceries. You can't cast any creatures unless you're doing some other shenanigans. But that's what Commander is, is a giant stack of shenanigans. And I think that this is going to be a super easy card to put into any deck you want to it's already legendary so you can tutor it up with all the other fun legendary stuff we've talked about so uh, i think this is going to be one of the chase cards from the set for years i can't imagine this not it's is it uh it's just a rare right it's not even a mythic uh correct it is a rare yeah it's only a rare so it'll be what ten dollars out of the gate and i would be shocked if it fell below five yeah, I don't know. It's a rare in Ixalan. It's tough to tell. I could see it slipping down into like Panharmonicon two to four dollar level, just because there's going to be a lot of them out of the Please game. But God, but let that be so. Yeah, it'll be high demand for sure. So uh, very interesting. What I'm interested in though 
as not buying this card, but buying the cards that people that it makes people care about. Um, obviously, everyone in EDH that has a Gaia's Cradle in their deck is going to want this card. And if you don't have a Gaia's Cradle because it's too expensive, this gives you the in. Um, the better question, though, is like, what does it mean in modern? Uh, elves is certainly the first place you go to uh, because they can hit four creatures on like turn two. Um, and this flips over to give you a ton of mana. I'm not clear if elves is the best place for it. It doesn't seem like they struggle for mana with um, Heritage Druid and Elvish Arch Druid. You already have a lot of mana generation in that deck. Uh, the deck tends to, I think, search for cards more than it searches for mana. The question is, where can we put this that needs the mana? Um, even over on Abzan Company, you've got... Uh, you know, the Devoted Druid combo, which gives you infinite mana. It's two cards, of course, but um, arguably less work. I haven't come up with anything yet. I'm kind of curious to see where people are going to place this, where it's going to do a lot more work for you. Um, and, you know, maybe it is Elves, maybe it is Abzan combo, but I will be watching Twitter close. I'll be listening to pros to see what kind of people are thinking about this. Because um, its a, its existence in Modern does seem like it will matter, uh, and I'm just not sure where yet. So this is the time where... Um, knowing your formats very well and knowing who to listen to is, is valuable. And when it gets broken, it's going to bust something wide open, I'd expect, because this is a ridiculous amount of mana that can be created. Yeah. So um, when it when it does, it'll it'll hit big, and that's the more reason, I think, to get the copies. If they make it down, it's, uh, I don't know what the foils will go down to. I think the Panharmonicon is probably the best analogy in terms of uh, how cheap it can get, but even something with crazy long-term appeal like Lifecrafter's Bestiary has gotten ridiculously cheap, and it's just looking for a home. Yeah, I mean these cards are taking a little bit of time to really, um, to really, I think, drop in price a little bit. But it's Gaia's um, Cradle, Travis. It's Gaia's Cradle. I I have seen that. I have seen that that card is Gaia's Cradle. I do not disagree with that, Clef. So with Guy's Cradle out of the way, let's talk about uh, Arena. Uh, we're just going to shorthand that to Arena. They haven't, we don't have anything snappy like Moto to call it, so we're just going to call it Arena. It's Moto uh, Stone. Moto Stone. I love that. <laughs> if you have not seen the stream, if you did not watch it, uh, if you have played Hearthstone, it's going to look a lot like that. But more importantly, it's going to be focused on standard. They have said that it's going to have a standard focus and uh, Moto is going to be for modern and vintage and legacy. And I will get to my concerns about that in a moment. But most important, this is able to be played cross-platform. You'll be able to do this on your PC, uh, presumably on your phone and your console. So uh, because it's built on, uh, I saw it's built on Unity. So that should be an easy platform to cross-deck with. You are going to be able to link your DCI number to it, and that's a new thing. Um, you're going to be able to keep track of it as in the same way that you could your regular tournaments. I don't know why this never got implemented for the official Magic Online. It seems like a no-brainer. It would have been great when they were doing Magic Player Rewards, but this is a, a sign that they're they're taking this seriously, that they want this to be something amazing and graphical and fun-looking and... Uh, if you play duels, it's let's see. I played a bunch of duels. Uh, I will say that it looks less dark. It looks a lot more vibrant and colorful, and it is full function magic, is what it looks like, right? That that was your impression as well. 
Yeah, it's certainly got, supposedly, it's got a full rules engine built in, um, so you should be able to get the complete experience, although, you know, we'll see how that actually plays out, right? Like, is it truly going to be the full experience or not? Um, you know, we know that it's new cards forward. They're not adding any of the old cards, um, which is important because it means they get to completely skip all of the old rules interactions. So, for instance, they don't have to figure out how to code banding um, or, humi- <laughs> or humility or fate spinner or any of those cards. They just get to be like, nope, nope, not going to do it. Uh, what, there's no illusionary mask code that they don't have to spend $20,000 on alone? Which okay. I'm convinced if it's on Moto, doesn't work. There's no chance that that works. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's 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 full-fledged magic. Mm. With an asterisk. Um, if you watch the stream, I caught I caught about 20 minutes of it earlier. Um, by default, it doesn't. It plays like Hearthstone in the sense that it doesn't really. It kind of accommodates. For instance, I have a buddy who plays Eternal who was talking to me about it. He said the way it handles seems to handle priority passing in Arena is similar to the way Eternal does it, and that it only gives you priority if you need it, which is doesn't really work for magic. I mean, it completely gets rid of like pausing on upkeeps to make people think you have something type of thing. Um, so, but you can turn on full control and pause the game uh, at moments and stuff like that. And I guess in standard, it's going to come up less than you might see it in modern legacy, those types of mind games overall. I mean, it is, it is Hearthstone, right? Like there, it's not even like I'm saying it is similar to Hearthstone. It is literally piece by piece, pixel by pixel, that exact game, just with the magic rules engine underneath it. I mean, it is unreal how similar they are and you will never see, it is going to be two decades before you see somebody build a digital card game that doesn't look like Hearthstone because everyone just decided to rip off that model and then that's it. That's what they're all going to look like. Um, so it, it is that experience. I think, I guess the big question in everyone's mind is what's going to happen to Moto. Wizard said Arena is new sets forward only. Um, although I didn't see them say anything about mass, like adding master sets. Like MTGO has had master sets for a long time, which is kind of how they pushed really old cards into that environment without having to print those sets. So like... I think Tempest was one of them or something like that, where they kind of like threw Tempest cards into a master set instead of fully releasing Tempest or whatever it was. Um, so we could see that on on Arena. Um, you know, I'm chalking that up as a possibility. That might be how they kind of like backdoor something like Modern or Frontier into the format, into the um, platform by doing stuff like that. Um, of course, if you're trying to get modern in without the full card pool, that doesn't really work. It's not modern anymore. It becomes its own version of modern, which is really odd. Um, that would be tough to support. The, again, the question is what happens with Moto? Wizards is insisting that this is not meant to replace Moto, that they are meant to exist alongside each other, which I believe for the short term, Wizards couldn't release this and say, this is here to replace Moto. Because if this ended up being bad, um, you would have effectively killed Moto instantly by telling people that this was meant to replace it. But then if Arena didn't do a good enough job of replacing it, you wouldn't have Arena left either. So they would have completely shot themselves in both feet. So what they're going to do is they're going to release this and say, this isn't Moto. This is something different. This is a different market. This is casual. This is standing in line at the store. It's less complex rules interaction. It's easier to get into. And then that's going to set us up to transition people to Moto, where they have a more robust clock where there's older formats where we support all of that stuff. Uh, and they're going to be happy to let that sit for a while. If Arena gets really popular and they kind of get some of this working, um, 
you know, they might, they, they will sunset moto that platform does have a, uh, an end of life date on it. We just don't know what it is yet. And I don't think wizards yet either. So don't think mo- your moto accounts are safe today are, are safe. They're safe today, but eventually they are going to get eaten because this is the direction wizards wants to go. Um, and you might actually see that coincide perhaps with, um, the sun setting of St. Modern. So I saw somebody bring up the point today, like, you know, what would be a great way to do a new format, a non-rotating format, is start it at the point where Arena starts. You know, Arena starts with Ixalan. So in three or four years, they can say, okay, we are introducing a new format. It's from Ixalan forward, and you can play it on Arena. And that will be kind of like their non-rotating format. They could pull that off for a at least a decade. Um, and then that will be kind of their opportunity to sunset uh, MTGO because the, new, the cool new format will be available on Arena. So my primary concern in terms of Arena and Moto running side by side, uh, Wizards, like as you said, uh, the old cards and the coding of old cards and the corner case interactions, which have to work and don't work. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the recent... Uh, flurry of people getting the uh the time the reset effect on their moto games uh that number of cards and that infrastructure clearly is not working um i would be scared if i had a lot of money in moto i would i think the the word i would be at is concerned leveling up into worried based on how well arena does because i Magic. I don't see Magic as a game you play standing in line. Uh, it's not that quick a game. Um, I just I can't see Wizards. They they have never had enough support for Moto. And if you're telling me that they hired a completely new crew to come in and take over Arena, that would be one thing. But it it I would I think you're right that the sunsetting of Moto is inevitable, and that is something that you need to be weighing if you have a large investment in the magic online economy. So if you do, you need to figure out what your acceptable level is because when the news hits, uh, and like you said, Wizards probably doesn't know when that news is gonna hit, but when it does, it's going to tank and tank dramatically quickly. Mm-hmm. That is gonna, that's gonna hit like a, like a hammer. <laughs> yeah, man, it's gonna, it, there's gonna be, uh just all kinds of people screaming and moaning but wizards owes us nothing and uh the fact that they've been charging full price for digital packs for god knows how long and they've still got this buggy awful terrible client uh is partially due to the complexity of magic there's like you said there's some crazy complex cards and it's also something that they've been struggling with for a long long time uh, if you remember the early versions of Moto, I don't know if you played back when you could literally click a button and see eight figures sitting around a table doing a draft, and you just <laughs> you just imagine that picture, and each one has their own animation, and you're seeing like 200 of these tables. The instant lag that would hit me at that point until I could click to the text view was something that has always stayed with me. I couldn't even tell you how long ago that was. It's probably eight, nine years ago or something. But I've, I, uh, I've, I I do recall that. Like, I never played during that, but I do remember those screenshots. Yeah. And I remember yeah. games of that nature having the same problem. So, but yeah, I thought it was clever. 
It was, but it was also they've never been able to do magic justice. And magic is the best card game that has been invented to this point, aside from maybe like poker. So I think that they're moving over to a friendlier, easier to look at version because Moto has never been pretty. It's been, what's the word I'm looking for here? I think utilitarian. That's the word I'm looking for. It's been very, here's your cards. There's your phases. Let's do it. If it worked, I would give you utilitarian, but it doesn't even do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Touche. Touche. And uh, it doesn't work. Spartan. The... Spartan. Oh, that's another good word. Cold. Aged. Oh, aged is harsh. Unusable. Yes. Archaic. I can just open a oh, and all come you, up with all sorts of these. All you to Yeah. So it, it's there. And that they want to phase out Moto is probably not a surprise to anybody. So when it, I just think that our lesson is going to be, this is the shiny new kid. Whether or not they come up with a new format, uh, I think is not going to be as important as the level of growth they get from Arena. And if Arena takes off, I would try to move anything expensive out of my Moto account. Yeah, and I think everyone, most players who aren't, um, using it as a platform for testing to the pro tour have kind of already gotten to that. You know, they know that this is that, that, that is having to keep a collection so that you can practice for the pro tour is sort of just an ill of the game. And beyond that, it is unwise to keep anything. You know, this is not a surprise to anyone. I do. I will say that, you know, remember that arena is still in like super duper beta kind of at the moment. So, you know, there's a lot of room right now. It's not great, um, but that doesn't mean it won't be great. Uh, so don't judge it too harshly on what we're seeing so far. I think if you consider it for what it is, which is it, it is supposed to be a uh, easy, digestible, familiar um, interface for people who know these types of games, um, you know that like twelve-year-old Hearthstone player client who have have has been playing that type of game for a while, but is um, new to Magic. It's very good at that. Um, so keep that in mind that, you know, like all magic cards, this is not designed for everybody. Uh, it's designed for a certain market segment and you might not be in that market segment, uh, which is why it might not be doing it for you. But I, I do think that they can definitely go somewhere with it. It, it seems capable of, of, of achieving that. I, it's going to take some time for sure. Um, yeah. I, and it really, the question is, will they push enough in the marketing, right? Like if, if they push the marketing really hard, I do think this will be this will be big. When you're talking about marketing, I do not have a lot of faith in wizards. And quite frankly, what are they going to say about magic arena that Hearthstone couldn't already say, uh, Hearthstone already has a much bigger uh, online presence. The hearts, there's tournaments for money, right? I don't follow the esports scene for them. Hearthstone. Oh yeah, definitely. So, you know, we have, there's all that going on as a marketing tool. Maybe that's what they need to do is sponsor some giant arena tournaments and get people to play some magic for bigger money than the pro tour. It is bigger money than the pro tour. Oh, Hearthstone out or outpays the pro tour by like a magnitude. I mean, there's a <laughs> tremendous more amount of money in Hearthstone because their player base is massive. So, um, yeah. 
Okay. Well, listen, we've chatted about this a lot, and I'm sure James is going to have all sorts of thoughts about Arena. I'm just going to check in the hotel when he starts his this diatribe on it next week. So I'm gonna are you be- are you implying that our delightful dude from north of the border has a lot to say about certain topics? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not even implying. He he has he he does he certainly loves to expound, uh, and we we certainly appreciate. Who doesn't? We all have our things we like to talk about. I could give you 20 minutes on the old cleric deck. So, uh, James, when when you hear this, go for it, man. Yeah, be you. That 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 is good advice. And I, for instance, could speak for 20 minutes on myself. But that's (laughs) that's a wrap for uh, this week. Cliff, where can our listeners find you? Everyone can find me on Twitter at Word of Commander, as well as my Friday articles on mtgprice.com. Okay. And again, I'm Travis Allen on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. Every Monday on MTG Price, I also do the Cartel Aristocrats webcast on Monday afternoons. I would like to remind our listeners to check out MTG Price Pro Trader Service for just $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. You can get early access to this podcast. Fantastic articles by the best finance minds in the business and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Cliff, I really appreciate you joining us for a second week. I do not know what his schedule is, so you might be back next week too. Uh, But in either way, thank you again for joining me. Just throw up the signal and I'll be here, bro. All right. Thanks again. And we will see you guys next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.